Wahahahaha greetings puny humans it's me, Michael's robot assistant, and welcome to another very spooky episode of a very special episode of podcast where meaty lollipop Michael Lee Richardson gets to curl up on the sofa and talk telly with some of the movers and shakers in the world of culture. Michael is currently on a plane back from London so has asked me to introduce this week's episode with very special guest, the suitably spooky writer and funny man David O'Gray who chose to talk about Inside Number 9 episode The Riddle of the Sphinx. He is David. My very special guest this week is David O'Gray. David is an award-winning screenwriter and director who specialises in genre filmmaking with a specific interest in horror, comedy and thrillery things with a working class spin. He began making sketch comedy five years ago as part of the comedy duo Chris and Dave and has accrued over 25 million views working with online platforms such as BBC The Social and BBC Scotland's Short Stuff. For BBC iPlayer, he developed and co-directed Chris McQueer's Hings and Tales from the Pub, a pitch-black horror comedy about Scottish life. David recently wrote and presented Close Encounters of the Bonnie Bridge Kind, a radio documentary about the history of UFOs in his hometown of Bonnie Bridge. He currently has several projects in development with production companies. Hello, David. Hi. It's really weird listening to a bio you've wrote about yourself. You're like, yeah, wow. <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> It's good when you put all your things together. It's good. It's good. Like, yeah, it's this person. It doesn't sound like me. You know. It's, it's... <laughs> no, I, and, and I hope people will see why I invited you on to this very spooky episode uh, with all of your kind of horror and uh, I think horror comedy. Like I, I, I don't know you that well, but I feel like I've got a, already got a bit of a an idea of the sort of stuff you like. Oh yeah, you love horror comedy, but it's uh, it's one of these things that's really hard to get right. You know, it's like a. It's like Ribena. Everyone likes it in a different way. You don't want too much. <laughs> just too much. It's very hard to get right. I think there's such a... I don't know. I'm finding this more and more. And it's like some of the stuff that I do in my own work. But like, I think there's such a... I think horror and comedy both have the same... They come from the same place, I think. And they have... I think if you're a good horror director or a good comedy director, you'll be good at either of them i don't know if that's making any sense no yeah no i completely agree with you uh, my theory over the years has just been that's tension release it's the same comedy it's the same horror you set something up then you there's a payoff you know it's like a mm. white uh, get out by jordan peele such an excellent horror film because mm. he's had the years of doing sketch comedy he knows the the beats so mm. yeah i think they're completely the same thing and if you get someone who likes comedy the will inevitably kind of like horror yeah i think so i think so and i think i you know, my my kind of th- I, this is not original to me i think i've heard other people talk about this sort of thing before but i think why they i think another thing that they do they both do is that they're like the genres of art that you have a reaction to them that you can't control mm-hmm. like you laugh at comedy or you you're scared by horror and you can't really control that mm-hmm, yeah. when it's really good well i'd swing at romantic films that counts as a... <laughs> I suppose. I mean, I guess there's other sorts of things that do that, I guess. Uh, no, I guess uh, like, uh, <laughs> reactions, you know, you can't control them. Yes. <laughs> what sort of thing did you like watching when you were younger? Well, the things that I kind of reliked when I was younger, I started off with, like, cartoons and things like that, you know. Courage the Cowardly Dog was, like, a favourite because that was the horror comedy thing. I think it's 
the scariest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Poor CGI. What is it? I um, I, 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 you've mentioned that before on Twitter, and I still, uh, but I've I've seen other people talk about it as as actually quite scary, but I don't know it at all. All oh, right, so yeah, what is you're, you're much older than me. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I'm an ancient wizened old hag on the other side. So <laughs> basically, with courage, the cowardly dog is a dog who lived in the middle of nowhere and. The people that own them are, they don't know anything about what's going on around them. And it's like monsters and vampires and cannibals. And he's got to stop them from getting killed. And it's, it was a kid's show. Okay, wow. I, that's I incorporated dark. all these kind of early CGI elements. Where, okay. Like, it was like 3D, so it was really kind of terrifying, but unintentionally so at the same time. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, oh, I'd watch it. It's only fifteen minutes. Just get give it some watch. Does it still stand up? Have you have you watched it recently? Well, see, I, th- I sent you a clip on Twitter. Then I rewatched it. And I was like, "This is horrifying." I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. The stuff you watch when you're a child is the scariest. You know, like uh, Goosebumps as well, and uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Just episodes like that when you watch when you're young, they scar you for life. They definitely do. I think, and I I, I went back to one of my things sort of over the last couple of years. My part and I were watching a lot of Goosebumps just like, you know, you can't think of something to watch. Goosebumps was on Netflix, so we just stick an episode of that on. And they're so weird. They're so strange and they don't follow I, I think they make me feel uneasy because they don't follow any sort of pattern or structure <laughs> that a TV episode would oh, now. Oh yeah, completely. The one episode that always stuck in my head about Goosebumps was like a it was like a camp episode. I can't remember the name of it, where they go to a summer camp and then they're all getting killed off by this werewolf or something. And there's one guy that lives to the end, then is like, No, it was all a it was a test. You've passed the test. Now you can go there. And they point up to the sky and it's it's Earth. You can go to Earth. <laughs> and you're like, What? Wow. <laughs> They're so bonkers, and I and I, I I sort of had forgotten as well that they do kill people off and stuff on those shows in a way that I don't think we necessarily do on kids stuff now. Um, they're they're so strange. They're so odd. yeah. Like, well, I I don't watch too much like kids TV now, but I I can't imagine they were as horrifying as it was in the nineties. And I'm not trying to sound like back in the nineties we had scary things, but it just like they just got away with more. I think so. I think so. I think so. So what sort of stuff do you like watching now? What are your, your go-to genres? Oh, well, right now, what did I just finish watching? I watched uh, Wreck, the new BBC horror on a cruise ship thing. Yes, yes. It's like, this is right up my street, you know. And I, I liked that. I thought it was good. But I think when you get to a certain stage in your life and you've been a creative, you don't really get hit with the same kind of oompla that you would have if I watched it about 15 years ago. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. I, I don't really get that hit too much these days, but I, I really enjoyed that. that and I liked uh, Red Rose, which was another horror thing on the BBC. And the BBC are just going crazy for horror right now. I love it. I'm interested in that. I'm interested because I don't think we've done a lot of horror in the UK. Certainly not for the last kind of 10 or 15 years. But they are doing like sort of young adulty horror on the BBC. Quite a bit of it at the minute. And I do think that's quite interesting. Yeah, very kind of BBC 3 horror thing. Yes. They kind of done that before with like yeah. being human and stuff like that back in the day. Mm. But it wasn't like... No, you're right, actually. But that but that was like, you know, 15 years ago. So it's... Yes. Maybe yeah. it comes inside. Yeah. 
Yeah. What did you make of Red Rose as, or Rose Red? Is it Rose Red? I, I can't remember. I think so. The, I think the app is called one thing in the show, and the show is called the opposite way around, and it just it infuriates me. That infuriates me as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I thought it was. I thought it was good. I thought it had some nice moments. Like horror, basically, is defined by its set piece. And there's mm. a lot of nice set pieces in it and stuff like that. Some nice characters. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, that was good, which is not a very ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> I li- see. I like the characters a lot in that. I did like the characters a lot. I think the the um the sort of horror mechanism of it didn't quite. It just didn't hit the spot for me because I'm not frightened of phones. Well, this, in that way, <laughs> yeah. This is felt very like you know Obama era horror. Like <laughs> it, the phone will kill it you. Maybe did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it kind of I, I i think for me i just kept thinking like what people actually are doing on their phones is more horrific to me <laughs> than this kind of i don't know it's haunted by something i, I, I yeah coming to a um, near you your search history <laughs> on your phone <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah exactly. i totally get totally uh, <laughs> yeah so yeah i've been liking the horror kind of things but uh i love comedy as well uh Nowadays, I'm kind of liking comedy that challenges the form a little bit, like which sounds very mm. pretentious, but like whatever. <laughs> uh, like I love Nathan Fielder's rehearsal. Fucking hell! I've only just watched the first episode of that, and it's completely mad. It's like I don't cringe at like think people go, "Oh, I cringe at The Office," and st- I, that doesn't bother me. It's when it's like real people. I was watching it with like worse than Wreck and Red Rose. I was like cringing and biting my nails watching the rehearsal. It was. Horrible, yes. but I love it. I've heard that it goes to quite a dark place as well. Like, if you could explain for people who haven't seen it what the setup of the rehearsal oh, is. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Nathan Fielder is a, he's a comedian. He's got this persona of like trying to fix and help people. So, the premise of this is if you've got something you're worried about in your life, we'll do a rehearsal of it. We'll plan ahead so we can think of every different precaution and possibility. And so it gets people a, like, if people want to have a baby, he'll run through everything. Mm. Or if someone wants to confess something to a friend, they'll do everything. But he really puts them on the spot and just twists and turns and it goes to really dark places. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and I, I agree with you that it's like, I... I feel about his comedy that it it does often it's the cringe element but it's like just I think getting a lot of comedy out of the uncomfortable nature of it, it is it yeah I think he's so good I I I, I sometimes watch it and I go like is this okay <laughs> these people going to be all right after this but it is funny it is good. <laughs> this is the thing it's like he's he almost kind of admits it in the first episode that he's playing a Willy Wonka type character, but like he's, mm. it's commenting on him as well. It's like he's lonely. It's just there's so many layers to it. Even when you watch interviews with him, you're like, is this still part of the bit? You know, it's... yes. There's something fascinating about him as a character. I do like him though. Have you seen How to with John Wilson? Yeah. The thing that he. Produced. Oh, I, I love that program so much. I'm so glad they it's put it on so iPlayer because I was watching it on <coughs> dodgy websites. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there was. I remember an episode with How to with John Wilson where he does a whole episode in scaffolding. Yes, it's just so weird <laughs> and good and good. Like, how how is this going to last? Then it gets someone to wax lyrical a monologue about 
masturbating on a scaffolding or something like that. Like, what? <laughs> the, the the episode I always think about is the one where he like he buys a chair, but he doesn't want his cat to wreck the chair, so he covers it in in like I don't know plastic, and it's uncomfortable. So like by the end of the episode, he's had somebody completely replicate this secondhand chair that he's bought. It's just <laughs> it just so fucking odd, but like. It's almost like improv comedy, but like in somebody's real life. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> I just, I'm fascinated by that. Um, what else are you watching at the minute? What other comedy? Well, I'm watching The Midnight Club. That's not really comedy. What do you make of it? Um, I kind of hate it. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but don't get me wrong, like like Mike, Mike Flanagan, who directed it, he's got this kind of horror universe going on. I think he's done some amazing things. Uh, Ouija Origin of Evil is like the one of the best sequels to a horror film. Like, <laughs> it's mm. brilliant. But <laughs> I just think he's getting too much rope to do what he wants on Netflix. Like, Midnight Mass just went on for so long. I'm like, this should just be a film. Make this a film. Mm. Why does it need to be mm. 10 episodes? So, yeah, no, I like it, but I'm like, oh, God, another episode. Yes, I, I've only watched the first one, I have to admit, and I'm not, like, clamouring to go back to it. Um, I love... Mike Flanagan, well, I loved Hill House and I've loved his films. Yeah, Hill House was great. Hill House is a masterpiece. I think, I think Bly, of like, Bly Manor was pants. I was like... <laughs> I My thing is I think Bly Manor was mis, missold a bit because mm-hmm. I think that show is a love story, not a... It's a love story told within like the language of a horror thing, mm-hmm. but I don't... So I don't think it quite worked when you go in expecting... Hill House, which is a, a story about family, but also a really fucking good horror oh, yeah, it's got terrifying show. Moments. Horrible, horrible. Like, and the hidden ghosts thing, I was fucking obsessed with oh, it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just, just, and like terrifying myself because it like trains you to look in the background of every shot and 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 try and find some ghostly hand or like. <laughs> I love that show. Oh yeah, no, great. Show. So yeah, the Midnight Club. I don't. Maybe I was a bit harsh on it, right? But I'm just like Mike. I can. I know you can do better. Please. <laughs> I just. I just sort of don't. I mean, I. I. I don't know the Midnight Club as a like. It's adapted from a book, I think. I think it's young adult or something. Yeah, and I, and I think it's very much. I think if you like Mike Flanagan and you're going into this show for another Mike Flanagan show, that's not what this show is. Um, and I think it. Yeah, I I think there's an interesting show in there, but the like, so the Midnight Club all meeting together in the basement of this house and telling ghost stories. Genius idea, you know what I mean? That's like that's like, uh, are you afraid of the dark? That's that's what was, I was interested in. But the ghost stories are not good enough. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> They're definitely amateur ghost stories. You know what I mean? It's like it feels yeah. like an episode of the Community at some points where you're like. Oh, <laughs> I mean, in fairness, I have only watched one episode, and it's the episode that's like in the Guinness Book of World Records for having the most jump scares in it. And I hate jump scares; I think they're so artless. Oh yeah, um, uh, yeah. oh yeah. Is that when they're telling the story and it just jump, jump, jump? Yeah, it's just so stupid. Yeah, it's like trying to comment on itself, but it doesn't. It doesn't really work, you know. It's, uh, no, didn't work for me. 
we do we do love you, Mike. We love you, Mike Flanagan. Oh no, I'm a Stanigan. I'm a, I'm a Mike Stanigan. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've I've not I've not found my way through that show yet. I did quite like Midnight Mass, though. I have to say, like, I, I think there's a lot to like in that show, but it's a slow burn. I think, really yeah, Midnight Mass. There is so much good stuff in it and see the conceit itself of uh, a pastor thinks uh, a vampire is an angel brilliant concept mm. but then everyone's brilliant. talking in monologues for about 17 years and you're like what is yes. going on <laughs> <laughs> like, I did not care for that the, the bit that people really loved the like whether the two characters are sitting on the sofa talking about oh. what happens after you die it's just like, oh, come on. Man. I hated that bit Ra- so much. The people love that. <laughs> There's a vampire flying around. <laughs> I'm like, get to the vampire. Oh, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> yes, just, uh, yeah. It, it was a slow burn. I did, I, I, I did like it, though. I did like it on the whole. What's your comfort watch? What's the show or the shows that you go back to? Well, kind of a weird one. I would say my comfort watch is like every Monday night is Monday night quiz night. And so I look forward to it. Mondays all week because it's Mastermind, Only Connect and then University Challenge in a row. Oh, so, wow. So, Interesting. <laughs> they really comfort me and it just reminds me like my mum, me, my mum and my dad just watching TV and like getting no answers right. <laughs> but like trying. <laughs> Wagner! It's probably Wagner. And it's, not, it's never Wagner, you find out. Those are quite high, high-minded quizzes. I don't know, I like a who wants to be a millionaire? I, I love who wants to be a millionaire as well. But I think that's what the almost the genius of the BBC at times is. It's like these are the most difficult quizzes on TV, and you don't get fucking anything. You don't. You don't. You win like a tiny yeah. trophy <laughs> for competing against some of the cleverest people in Britain. Like, I don't even think you get a trophy we only connect. Like, you don't get anything. What a weird show. I, I, People try to explain that show to me all the time, and I just don't get it. Even when I'm watching it, I think I might be too stupid for it. Like, it's just, like, what is the connection between these four things? Is that the, is that the conceit? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. And they're very tenuous <sighs> yeah. a lot of the time. But when you get one right, oh, oh, it's like, it's like caviar. You're like, yeah. Yeah. I usually watch it with my girlfriend now, and she's uh, playing like a Nintendo Switch while I watch it. <laughs> and I'll get one right, and I'll be like, I got one right. She'll be like, oh, well done. Like I'm a, like I'm a child. What would your mastermind specialist subject well, be? Well, I actually applied for mastermind at one point. Ah. It was like 10 years ago when I was like 18. It was A, oh my a Song of Fire Nice, the books. It was before the series came out, I think. Oh, wow. Films. And I got a phone interview and they phoned me up. And this is when I was like in college. And I was very, very stoned at the time when they phoned me up. <laughs> we just left college. And the guy was trying to do like an interview with me. Like, hey, David, how you doing? Um, here you're from... Uh, from Falkirk, yeah, I've got a friend there. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so I completely flopped interview. Oh, no. And, but I've still got the rejection letter from Mastermind, so. I almost think that's a good show in itself, though. Mastermind, but everybody's stoned. <laughs> Is it a better show? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would watch it, like, the big lights and the paranoia. Like, right, 
<laughs> so everyone looking at me. Uh, what about your mastermind? Uh, sorry, what about your mastermind special subject? Oh my god, that is so hard. I think they've done it before, but I think I would go with Buffy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I am just not, I'm not. See, I know I have like good specific knowledge, like quite niche knowledge, but I don't have good general knowledge. Like I couldn't point to China on a map, but I could tell you like every episode of Buffy in order <laughs> by name. Oh yeah, my, my girlfriend's a big Buffy stan. Oh, she went to a Buffy, Buffy quiz in Glasgow and argued with the quiz master over a question <laughs> like that much. I was like, oh my god. My uh, my favourite bit of Mastermind trivia, I, I say, I've probably said this already on this podcast before, but I'm obsessed with it, is that there was a celebrity version and Mylene Class from Hearsay did Sex in the City Series three, which I think is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Just not not Sex in the City in general. Just Series three. It's just so it's so specific and funny to be. Yeah, not it's not season four. Not when um not when the Russian comes in there. That's she she dips, she dips out. Of that She's point. not interested. <laughs> What's something that you watch that's outside of your wheelhouse or something people wouldn't expect you to watch? Um, well, a few things. I don't really like reality TV. I was actually mm. I was going to say Sex in the City for this because when I, I started watching <laughs> it in like high school, when it was like you know your small town, you you don't you don't talk about watching those type of things with other blokes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I we watched Chewing the Fat on repeat, kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah, I used to watch Sex in the City all the time because I loved it because I had sex in the title, but then I I stayed for the <laughs> sex and I, <laughs> then the witty banter came afterwards, you know. <laughs> I still think it's a really good comedy, Sex in the City. I think it is of its time, and it's not necessarily aging well. But it is. Uh, I think it's a good show. I think it's a well, good show. Yeah, I think. I think a lot. It's quite good. It's just like certain themes that are kind of like, oh, that's a bit icky nowadays. Uh, but mm. also, I just hate Carrie so much. Like, there's a <laughs> there's a person on TikTok who recreates Sex in the City scenes, but with a cat playing Samantha. she does all the other roles and the cat's playing Samantha and Carrie's just always got these dumb jokes and the the voice oh the voiceover grates me Mm. but I just Mm. I like Miranda Charlotte and Samantha I like Miranda and Samantha Charlotte I I think I despise her but I think she needs to be there oh yeah the the prude you know the kind of Mm. uptight Mm. character to for all their sexual expression you know (laughs) <laughs> why are you laughing i'm being serious <laughs> no i don't know i don't know i i i did not expect you to say sex in the city so. oh yeah i was a big fan of sex in the city i remember i had to sneak the dvd out of family's home to watch it i, I don't know i was probably 15 i could have just bought it but i don't know i had to keep this secretive thing about sex in the city and i i, I cried uh, when Old Lang Syne played and Carrie ran away. Oh, that's beautiful. A beautiful moment. Uh, what were your other, uh, your other things that are outside of your wheelhouse? Oh, yeah. Kind of like, yeah, I don't like reality TV a lot. Like, I like, like, I don't like, like, Love Island, stuff like that. It's just never kind of appealed to me. But Drag Race, love Drag Race. But mm. The Circle on Channel 4 was a huge guilty pleasure in me. <laughs> 
I don't know why. Yeah, what, a, what a weird show. It took me a while to get on board with what that show was. Because oh. it's, yeah. yeah no, it was just what, like... Explain the conceit of the circle for people who haven't seen it. So if you haven't seen uh, Channel 4's The Circle, I think it's cancelled now. Uh, it is. <laughs> it was... Which, it's cancelled because we were all living the fucking uh, Yeah, well, circle. that's the point, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you basically, everyone went and lived in this big house, all these characters, and you could only speak to people via the circle, a social media app invented by them. But you could catfish people, pretend to be different uh, sexes or like ages, and the whole scheme was to stay to the end and win 100 grand. And I just thought it was some of the best TV I've ever seen sometimes. Like it was the first season where there was a guy, Alex, was pretending to be a girl, and there's mm. another guy who was vouching for them, like, no, no, they're my friend, they're my friend. And then he walked into the room at the end, and it was just rage. And it looked like he was going <laughs> to absolutely hit him. I was like, oh, I was eating it up like an eclair. I was like, this is good. It's so good. Because they can go on, like, dates and stuff together, even though they don't see each other. And, like, it's so, so strange, but so good. It's like like a weird sci-fi reality show. <laughs> yeah. Like I love it. I, I do. Love I'm kind of glad it got cancelled because like it's the same way all reality TV. That's why I kind of fall out with it. Is once it's been done the first time or, and then subverted, mm. that's it. everyone's clued in and how it's going to work, and it yes. just kind of yes, loses its spark, you know. And everyone's playing it for a certain game or playing a certain character. After that point, it loses the kind of legitimacy of the earlier stuff. Yes, I would agree. Oh, I was going to talk about the circle for ages, and I'm not going to. Do that. <laughs> Let's just change it to the Circle Pod. The Circle Podcast. Um, <laughs> What's an iconic TV moment you go back to again and again? Oh, well, this kind of ties in with, like, well, I was saying before with The Circle, where people hate each other. Um, mm-hmm. So do you remember Golden Balls with Jasper Carrot? Oh, yes. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. <laughs> so basically, Golden Balls is this series where Jasper Carrot's there standing like a crypt keeper, making people split or steal on certain amounts of money and just... Uh, screwing each other over. It's like <laughs> it's worse than Jeremy Kyle. It's an evil show, but what? A, what a weird bunch of things to go in a show. Oh yeah, like oh we've got this sort of very dramatic game show, but they have to open golden balls, <laughs> and who will we get to present it? Jasper Carrot. <laughs> like what? Who's known for being a comedian? I've I've never. I've not really seen any Jasper Carrot stuff, but it doesn't <laughs> crack a joke at all in the entire show. No. <laughs> he has like the crypt keeper, like, right, open your ball now. It's very, <laughs> it's so weird. And so there's a very famous moment uh, that broke the whole show, just ruined it. And it's amazing. It gets to the final splatter steal, and one guy is like, oh, how about we splat? And he's like, no, no matter what you do, I'm going to steal from you. No matter what you say. And the guy's like, my dad always told me to be honest. And he's like, that doesn't matter. I'm going to steal. <laughs> the other guy gets so angry. And he's like, you're an idiot. You've ruined it for us. <laughs> and then he's like, all right, I'll let, you, I'll let you steal. Because he agreed to give him half the money. I forgot to say that important part. I'll give you half the money. I'm going to steal, but I'll give you half the money. And so he goes, okay. Agree. They both open their balls and it's both splits and they split the oh. money. It's oh, 
<laughs> it's actually quite a good show. Bring that back. <laughs> oh, you, you can't bring back. Uh, can't bring back golden balls. It's it's evil. It's like <laughs> the country's divided enough at this point. Actually, <laughs> yeah, you could see someone bringing a gun in or something like that. Right. <laughs> Jasper, <laughs> who would you like? I wonder what he's up to now. Wow. Sorry, what were you going to uh, say? Who would you like to host Golden Balls now? Oh my God, Alison Hammond. But I, <laughs> she could host the news for me. I just think she's so good. Al- Alison Hammond. She'd, she'd probably be like, "I'll give you the money. It's fine. This is just so awkward." <laughs> no, but I think she'd piss herself laughing if they like if somebody did steal all the money. I think she would just enjoy herself. Which I think is what you should do on a show like that, and then not take another person's Chris. like. I had to pay for my new my mum's extension. She has to get a ramp built in her house, <laughs> and then it's she's not laughing. Then otherwise, I, I mean, I think that's a show that's to come. To be honest with you, oh no, we've we've already had that on uh, this morning. The sort of cost of living crisis. <laughs> um, we'll pay your rent for a week or so. Uh, we'll, we'll pay your electricity. <laughs> As long as you have no yes. television on or something. That's weird. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Yes, a grim, a grim time in uh, history. What is your very special episode? My very special episode is Inside Number Nine, Riddle of the Sphinx. I am excited about this one because I was excited when you picked Inside Number Nine, but just didn't remember. I, I knew this was the crossword one. Mm. Um, but I didn't remember enough about it, and yeah, it's an interesting, an interesting choice. What's your relationship with Inside Number Nine? Oh well, I'm a huge fan of uh, Reese Shearsmith and Steve Pember, and going back to like watching their early stuff, League of Gentlemen, uh, in the '90s. Um, so I was just very interested in having an anthology series on British TV, throwing back to Nigel Neal kind of things. So. I think it came out in about 2014 or something like that, I would like to say. So I was about 20. You know, I was like, I was like when I was starting to get really precocious, I was in college watching films. So mm. it was like the perfect time for me. And it was the kind of thing I like. So, but I've got a kind of difficult relationship with it. But that's the nature of anthology. You know, I think when it's, when mm. it's good, it's the best series on television. But when it's bad, it's like, oh my God. This is yes. this is not good, but that's that's the way of the game, and I, w- I wouldn't hold it against the writers, you know. And I don't, I don't think there's so there's a, there's usually like one or two in a series where I'm like, this is just not my genre or like my world, and I'm not buying it. But there, I, I do think they there's more hits than misses for me in uh, Inside Number Nine. I, I would say so as well. Um, I think, but as it as the series has went on, and it was seven series now coming up for eight. Mm. It's and it's written by two people, and you find it yourself as a writer. You kind of go into like uh, cycles, or you end up repeating yourself. Or it's I'm not saying I want it to be cancelled. They want to get to series nine because inside number nine, you know. But yeah, the early stuff is like sublime. The first episode, uh, sardines, I watched with my dad, and he's quite into the horror kind of thing as well. And we watched it mm. together, and we loved it. It had the best kind of twist at the end, and. That was like, oh, gut punch. Then we watched the episode next week, uh, uh, Grand Night Inn, I think it's called. And he was mm. like, I hate this. I'm never watching this again. <laughs> and they're like, okay. I thought that was going to be like a bonding moment for us that I could talk about at your funeral. <laughs> but no, no. Oh. <laughs> no, that's fine. 
We'll find something else. There's some good. There's some really good horror episodes of it. I think as well. Like you can, because I, I think the thing again, it's that horror and comedy thing. But I think the thing that a lot of people react to in them is is that relationship between horror and comedy. And it there's a, I think it's this, the last episode of series one is like a proper good, like actually quite frightening horror. Yeah, yeah, um, the harrowing. Yes, yes, just genuinely creepy. And then there's one that is so specific, it's like the DVD commentary over like a bad <laughs> yeah 70s sexy british horror yeah that's uh the, the devil of christmas where it's like uh yes the director's commenting over it and it's like this scene you'll notice no one's actually eating food <laughs> and then it turns out he's, he's getting interviewed by the police and it's a snuff film which is insane yes. but <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it you know and they do generally always have a twist somewhere along the way usually at the end but this one's full of them well that's kind of what kind of appealed to me about riddle of the sphinx this episode like yourself if you're really into horror you've seen pretty much everything and you know all the tropes and all the twists and like one of the most famous episodes um 12 days of christine with sheridan smith it's a fantastic episode no. but like i knew the twist was coming like five minutes into the episode because i'm like mm. oh, i've seen this before mm. this was an amicus film and it it doesn't ruin it for you but you're like you're just waiting for it, and then mm. you can appreciate more in rewatches. Whereas with this, I was like, I've got no idea where this is going. This is twist, twist, twist. Ooh, you know what I mean? And it, and it goes to a really weird place this episode, but I guess we'll get on to that yeah. in a minute. Uh, do we need? So we don't really need any context going in. The only context being this is an anthology series. It's an anthology series every week. Two of the same actors play different roles in a place which is number nine. Like a house or a flat or inside number or a shoe or a shoe, yeah, which very very weird one. The shoe. So yeah, every week inside number nine. Can you give us a a sixty second synopsis of Riddle of the Sphinx? Uh, Yeah. Um, So in Riddle of the Sphinx, you've got Professor uh, Squires. He's disturbed in the night by a young girl, Nina, who claims she wants to learn crosswords to impress her uh, fancy scarf-wearing boyfriend. Turns out, though, she's she's hiding more than she knows, and she's actually like a crossword champion seeking revenge for her brother who died because of the actions of Professor Squires. So she tries to seek revenge on him by poisoning him with a puffer fish. And... <laughs> <laughs> so they, and they solve a crossword throughout the episode, and yeah, and um, yeah, that's kind of the premise, and then it goes twisty and turny from there. Yeah, I guess we'll come on to those twists <laughs> and turns. Um, what is it? What is it that made you choose this one? I've always kind of loved puzzles and like riddles mm. and stuff like that. That's always kind of been things that really interest me. Like I really like the first Saw film, and I really like um like Squid Game and Cube, all these kind of that combine horror and puzzle. I just really, mm. I really like, that's kind of my, my niche. And so to see this crosswords, a very kind of British thing that I enjoy doing, even though I can't do cryptic crosswords at all. <laughs> like, after this episode, I was like, I can do them. No, no, I can't. I'm still thick. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, combining like a puzzle or riddle with horror is something that really, I really love. Yeah, I, I think I'd, I think I'm the same with it. Because I think I went into this episode where I was like, Oh, it's the one about crosswords, and I'd sort of forgotten that that element of all those twists in it. Um, so I guess the, the the first twist is that she 
Oh god, that joke where she says her name is Nina Nuna, by the way, that's so fucking stupid and so good. <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's the, it's such a dumb joke. But see the way Alex, Alexandra Roach says it is just so funny. Nina yes. Nuna. It just makes me laugh. So good. And it kind of it, so I guess the first twist is that he's he's teaching her how to do this crossword because she says she works in Greg's and she sort of presents herself as thick, and then she starts being able to fill it in and she's obviously smarter than she's getting on. Yes. And then Reese Shearsmith's character shows up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Turns out she's trying to get revenge on him by killing him with a puffer fish because he caused the death of her brother by stealing the, the competition from him. Yeah, so and then turns out um Reese Shearsmith turns up and he's been part of the scheme. Yes. I don't think I'm explaining the twist very well. This is why it's... <laughs> <laughs> just, just, people should just watch yeah, just it. Just watch people it. What are you listening to me for? But it's like, I think that's another part why I like the episode so much is because I'm like, I couldn't write this. This is like no. clever. And I, I don't know about you, but that always makes something much more impressive to me. I'm like, this just seems like so much work. And like coming up with a whole crossword to come up with an episode yes and i i think there's i think there's that in their stuff and i think sometimes sometimes they go too far into clever Mm -hmm. into sort of tricksy and it's like oh wow there's a a twist every two seconds and stuff like that but i think this one gets the balance right between character and jokes and twists and horror yeah no i agree yeah i think there's yeah. some episodes of inside number nine where i think they do an entire one in I- iambic pentameter like shakespeare and it's yes. like right okay <laughs> Someone with- Which is like, you know, well done, but also who cares? <laughs> who gives a shit? <laughs> Tell me a story. Yes. But I think that's that's my working classrooms coming into play. Like, no what you're singing for. Get down to man. Like it's it's very kind of theatre, it's like things for theatre students, that kind of stuff. You know, they would like yes. it and I'm like, that's I never done theatre. Then in, inside the episode, it turns out there's another professor in cahoots with the young girl and they've planned to kill Squires with the puffer fish, but he's double-crossed her and now they're together and they've poisoned the young girl. They swapped cups with the uh, tetratoxin poison and so she gets paralysed, which um, I think Alexandra Roach in this role is absolutely fantastic. I think she, she kills it. I loved, yes. I loved her in Utopia as well. She was great in that. Uh, but she just kills this, like, even when she's paralysed on the floor. Like, yes, yes, because it is genuinely moving at points. Like, yeah, she's brilliant. She's brilliant. But also, like, milks the comedy of being paralysed without, I don't know, falling all over the floor and stuff like that. There's just some nice turns in her performance, I think, that, like, that you just almost don't catch it when she's turned from presenting as this sort of thick girl to oh she's actually smart and she's filling in the crossword it's so good oh yeah it's like so subtle but then it kind of comes to like a crescendo when she Mm. starts um that's a iota the ninth letter of the greek alphabet (laughs) and And she's just got some great line reading scene that kind of welsh accent you know it's like Mm. and he beat you fair and (laughs) square That was a bit more Cockney. I can't help do accent. I know that was a very good Cockney accent. <laughs> Bloody Dick Van Dyke. 
<laughs> What's the stuff you like about this episode? Yes, yeah, I just think the performances in it are absolutely fantastic. Like one of the biggest flaws of Inside Number Nine, I think, is that they have to appear in every episode. And you've got mm. like some episodes with Reese Shearsmith playing like a twenty-six-year-old or something, and you're like, you're sorry, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think they're all cast very well. I think uh, Steve Pemberton absolutely eats it up like he's at a buffet. He's got a knife and fork and he's just eating everything up. Mm. It's like hammy. It's delicious. Alexandra Roach, amazing. And Reese Shearsmith, such a muted performance as well. And he takes it to like, yes. such a dark place. It's like, oh, uncomfortable. Yeah, it feels like he's playing it real in this one because sometimes they are like a lot bigger and broader. Mm. But this feels quite... For for the League of Gentlemen or or this team feels like quite subtle in places and smaller, uh, and I really like I, I respond to that in this. I think. Well, I think that's what I kind of respond to as well in the episode. It's like it's, this is believable. You could see this happen. Mm. Well, it's like some episodes mm. you're like, ah, yeah, that's just a bit of fun. I'm not saying like high concept silly things are bad, but it's like when something like the horror in this episode and the twists um, happen, you're like, oh, that could happen. And it makes you a bit, feel a bit more uncomfortable. It takes you to a darker place. Definitely, definitely. But I, I think the comedy in it is good as well. They get an, a lot of comedy, especially in the first half, out of, out of Nina Nuna <laughs> and um, like her, her responses to him being this kind of, pompous professor guy i think the jokes work really well yeah um and, yeah there's a bit where they're telling jokes to each other as well and it's like what's uh black and white and red all over and she's like a nun tune a razor blade <laughs> <laughs> and he's like a newspaper you know it's like but they're getting on it's like this fun dichotomy it's like Really good writer. Mm. Like to tell the differences mm. between characters. It's so good. It's so good. Is there anything that you don't like in this episode? Niggly things, like mm. little kind of niggly things. Um, I think the ending, not the actual ending itself, where um Professor Squires has ends up committing suicide. Mm. Like, I don't think that's bad. But then it cuts to the board. It says yes. RIP NHS. And when I first seen it, I just I'd never got. I didn't get it. I was like, "What?" And but it turns out, and it, yeah, it turns out that's like his initials. I thought it was like a political statement or something like that. So did I. And then I like, I like, because I, I only just so I watched it, and then I was like, "Oh, that that is weird." And I went and looked it up, and I was like, and apparently they did it by accident, which I'm not sure if I buy that. Mm-hmm. But it also just seems quite weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, if, and also I think the writing kind of lets it down and a bit there by setting up. He's like, your middle name's Hector, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. His, I can't remember his first name. You know, I've, <laughs> That was about 20 minutes ago. I've got a short attention span. <laughs> so if you're going to set something like that up as a nice little uh, button, you would need, oh, Nigel Hector Squires. NHS. You really need to kind of hammer it home. <laughs> so it mm. uh, just kind of flopped for me that but especially because NHS is already an acronym for Something very famous. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't. I couldn't really make head nor tail of it because it. Yeah, yeah, it's a very peculiar thing, and it, and it's so like because he does that like Hector thing and sets you up for like oh there's going to be something on this board. It it doesn't quite pay off mm-hmm. for me because I'm like yeah it just it, it's too distracting. I think is what I'm saying. I, I'm a big 
I'm a big I'm a big sucker for the the gun, then the pan, then the blood splatter. I'll, that's like one of my favourite tropes and something. It's just so funny to me because <laughs> it's been happening since like the forties or something. I just love. I thought this was a good one as well. It looked real. There's bits of hair. In oh yeah, like oh, is that brain? <laughs> it's gross. <Really? laughs> but <laughs> what do you make of the eating her thing? Oh, that is, I love it so much. It, it's so good. It's, <laughs> see, see the bit where Reese Smith grabs Nina's like rump. He goes, I'll, mm. I'll take a bit from the rump, I think. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> he grabs her and like grips it and that just gives me the kind of internal squeeze. It's like mm. so horrifying. And it's just, it's horrible. and it's like a scalpel and like, I've seen people like decapitated in films and like, you, you don't blink an eye, but it's just the squeeze and then the... It's a very well-done horror gag as well, I think. I, do, I don't see the joins in that because I think you're too busy watching it going like, oh, this is gross. Like, yeah. it, it, it I, I was, yeah, taken aback by that, but I thought it was good. It was good. Um, would you eat the little bit of flesh from a rump? Because I think it looked quite appetising. <laughs> it looked like a pepperoni or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, would I? What a good question. A question I did not imagine being asked today. If the person was still alive and they thought it was no, I don't think it I'm a vegetarian. I was about to like make a big like uh, is it okay? Well, see, I'm I'm vegetarian as well. <laughs> so but I don't know, like I used to love pepper armies so much and it just like it's one of the things I miss the most. So I was like, oh, if they if they were consent, they were like, yeah, yeah. eat my rum. <laughs> well, God, I'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a peculiar question to be asked today. <laughs> would, you, would you? Would you? So you're saying yes, you would. Well, it, it depends on context. If you fry it with some like uh, parmesan and some butter, because he says in it, no salt and pepper. I want to keep the flavour. Which yeah. <laughs> is like, right? That sounds a bit bland. Yes, yes. But yeah, it, it, it just looks appealing to me. No, it... But maybe it's because I've not ate meat in like seven <laughs> years. Oh my God. Right. It does, I have to admit, it does look appealing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, I've, I feel like I've gone through the looking glass now. What makes this a very special episode for you? Is there something that resonates or a scene? Yeah, no, basically, I'd say it's a special episode because it's just extremely tight writing. Mm. It's when you watch things, um, like Faf, and this is real time consistent good writing it's it's impressive it's like when i used to watch like two ronnie's sketches or something like that mm. and you're like how are you doing this it's like magic and see when i watch it it's like when it's what i can aspire to do when i'm writing mm. just create something that people would be like that's that's good i can do that <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah I, th- I think that's that's the thing that i react to in a lot of their stuff because they do something that i don't do like I think my stuff is very sort of charactery and and story stuff, but they're very good at like plot and this like these tight kind of things where you're revealing things at the right moment. I think they're very, very good at that. And I think that I, I do I, I have a lot of respect for it, I think, when I'm watching this episode. Because it's it's oh, yeah. it's hard. It's hard. Oh, it's extremely hard and it's just it just epitomises everything I like about Inside Number Nine. You've got a great concept, 
he's got great characters, uh, great plot, and great. It's like a Swiss watch, and it's just all beautifully done, beautifully directed. And just imagine tuning in every week, and you're, oh, this is what you're getting this week, and it's just like that. It's just, oh, it's just be brilliant. Are there are, are there other episodes you considered? I did. I thought of one which I thought you would like, <laughs> but that it's not about you, Michael. It's, it's about it's me. It's about you. <laughs> but I want to know what you think I would like. <laughs> I was going to pick the the Deadline episode, the Halloween special, mm. which is it was like Ghost Watch. Yes, you know, and I. I don't know if you like Ghostwatch, but I think Ghost you, I, think, I thought you would have liked Ghostwatch because I love Ghostwatch as well. And so, essentially, them doing a Ghostwatch thing and the BBC, um, basically, the premise is they're doing a live play episode, and then there's technical difficulties, and it cuts behind the scenes, and it's it's a ghost haunt in um, the Coronation Street studios mm. in Manchester or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> It's like, and they start talking about characters that, like, could have died or, like, broke their neck or something like that. <laughs> and it's just insane. That's a, yeah, that's a good, a good, a good bit of telly, I think. I remember watching that live as well. And, like, this is so, like, such a tiny thing in such a great episode. But while he was tweeting on the show, or, like, while he's sitting on his phone on the show, Reese Shearsmith was, like, tweeting on his actual Twitter. And I was like... This is good. This is like cross. What did it? What was the thing from a few years ago? Everybody wanted to do cross-platform, uh, yeah, multi-platform uh, storytelling. Yeah, he, t- he tweeted, "Can you see us on BBC Two yeah. or something like that?" Didn't yeah, it? it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I just, yeah, and yeah, no, it's so so well done. But um, I missed it live, mm. and I'd been watching every episode live for like five years. But then I was <laughs> traveling somewhere with my girlfriend, and everyone's texting me like, "You seen it? You, did you watch it live?" <sighs> I was like. No, watch out, get it and catch up. <laughs> <laughs> and so then when me and my girlfriend started watching it and the the technical difficulties thing came up, I was like, all right. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, watching it. And she's like, oh, I'll try and fix it. And I was like, no, it's fine. Like, what, it's part of it. Watching it live, though, you know that if you know Ghostwatch and you know the stuff that these guys make and the stuff that they like, you kind of know what's happening but it's still good. It's like, oh, this is so stupid. And some people are going to be taken in by this. Were you, were you never tracked? No, no, because I, I just knew. I mean, they're doing a live Halloween special and it's them. I just knew it would be uh, tricksiness. There's <laughs> <laughs> the great episode, the great bit in that where the, the old actress gets the big knife and like cuts her own head off. <laughs> like, and you're like, what the hell? The horror in so, it is so good as well. I, again, like it's that that balance is so good. What about the the little League of Gentlemen fun fact for you? <laughs> um they were supposed to do most haunted. Um like like not in character but like all of them doing most haunted way like with Derek Acora or something oh like that last Lupia. But they got bumped last minute for uh, the Dingles. Oh my god. From Emmerdale in character. <laughs> they were in character as the Dingles. And they're, they're so bad about it. Because they, they got bad. Oh my god. I would have loved that. I would have loved that. One of, one of my absolute favourite things that's ever existed is Ghost Hunting with Girls Allowed. <laughs> it's like a, a two hour episode of like a most haunted style show but with Girls Allowed in it. And it's just so... It's perfect. 
it's it's so perfect. Like Cheryl, oh, what's what's Nadine? Nadine Coyle saying? Oh, Nadine doesn't come because she's scared of ghosts and spirits. <laughs> I'm scared of spectres. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's very, very that, and just like clearly hates the rest of them. So um, she doesn't come, but uh, yeah, just a brilliant piece of TV. But this, um, thinking about the Halloween episode of this, made me think of another amazing thing that I I revisit quite a lot. Is it's a because I think this there's a horror film in this. They shut down the Coronation Street set so that they could rebuild it for HD. So there's like the old Coronation Street set still existed for a while. And there's an amazing video on YouTube of like a bunch of wee nerds breaking into the old Coronation Street set and like cutting about on it and stuff. And that's a show. I want to see that show. (laughs) Well, especially if it's haunted. Yeah, yeah. Haunted by old Coronation Street actors. (laughs) The bit bit in that Halloween episode, actually, that really freaks me out is, is it Bobby Davro or like Keith Chequin or something? Like they keep... It's Bobby Davro, Bobby Davro. They keep playing that clip of him on like... On a children's show, but like sort of crucified, and yeah, he, he's in stocks, he's in and the then stocks. the stocks they fall forward, and he breaks his neck. I think I think, I think he breaks hell. a vertebrae in his neck, and they repeat it like six <laughs> times in quick succession. It's and it's horrible. Like, yeah, so I was I was going to pick that one because I really like that one, and it was Halloween, but <laughs> I thought I would be disingenuous to pick it. Yes. No, I, I like that you went with a, a slightly more off-the-beaten-track one. Just to wrap us up, um, where can you be found and where do you wish for people to find you? <laughs> on the There's internet. Plenty of places. <laughs> on... <laughs> I'll leave a riddle for you to find my location. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like Twitter. Uh, check me out or, uh, at David Grey Matter on Twitter. I've had that name since I was about 16, 15, so <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I've got stuff on BBC The Social, uh, BBC Short Stuff, uh, iPlayer, Chris and Dave. If you search Chris and Dave on my name, you can find some of my silly videos to watch. <laughs> um, thank you so much for chatting this week. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's very fun. Thank you for thinking of me for spooky season. Yes, yes. One of the spookiest people. One of the first (laughs) first people I thought of. So, uh, yeah, your spookiness precedes you. (laughs) Uh, Thank you again. uh, And goodbye. Bye. And there we go. A very special episode will be taking a short break while we get some new episodes in the bag. Please, please, please like and subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a rating or review, tell your friends, loved ones and enemies, and get your little behinds ready for a couple of very festive episodes due to drop in December. A big thank you to all of our season 2 guests so far, David O'Gray, Callum Sinclair, Crystal Gallagher, Debbie Moon, Chris Smith, David Chipaku Paku. Chris McCrudden, Amy Mason and Claire Biddles, see you soon, and in the meantime, if you touch those dials, I'm going to be extremely cross, do you hear?